At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sports betting. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Good morning, welcome in. It is Point Spread Sunday. I am your guide for the next two hours. Jonathan Von Tobel, way too early on the West Coast, but perfect time for those of you on the East Coast. You got a good show on tap. A lot of college hoops to go over, both from yesterday and today. It's actually a pretty good slate in terms of college basketball. So we got a lot of games there. A little bit in terms of the Genesis. We got a fourth round to look forward to. We've got the NBA All Star game, which I guess we can spend some time with. Tom Burns is going to be with us. We'll take a bigger look at the second half of the association. Although people call it the second half of the NBA schedule, seventy percent of the schedule is actually already in the books. We only got like six weeks left. Uh, but time is flying. Conference tournaments are upon us. And basketball season, at least college hoops, is slowly coming down to its very exciting ends. So let's go back to yesterday because it was a really good Saturday and it was a lot of great contests. But we really had, I think, some shakeup at the top and we had some underdogs barking in a very big way yesterday. But let's start with a favorite that gets it done and a favorite that gets it done on the road. Illinois yesterday with a very impressive performance against Michigan State, 79 to 74. Illinois actually closes a two and a half point favorite on the road. Total of 140 goes over the total with the high scoring affair. But the story here of the Spartans who have now lost four to five games. They failed to cover five out of six. They beat Maryland a few weeks back, beat them 65 to 63, obviously did not cover that game. So now we're in a little bit of a tailspin here. If you're Michigan State, uh, who continue to flounder and their offense yesterday finally turns things around because they went through a four-game stretch. They were barely getting over a point per possession yesterday. Offense are rating a 112.4. The problem is you have a 1.2 points per possession, and really you rely on two, three guys potentially, and that's about it. Walker with 26 off of the bench for Izzo. Only eight other points from your bench. That was Marble the second. Then after that, uh, your starting unit, Hoggard, who was a little um, limp with an ankle injury coming into this game, 15 points, 6 of 11 from the floor, but really nothing else from the guys around him. It really um, – I don't want to call it pitiful because he scored 52 points in the second half there against Illinois. But Michigan State now with some problems here as we move forward. And look, they're probably still safely into the tournament. That's not the deal. The deal is in the big picture when you're talking about the Spartans and a schedule, by the way, coming up that includes Iowa, who just won at Ohio State. We'll talk about that. Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State. And then, of course, you wrap it up with Maryland, who you barely got by. Um, this doesn't really look great for the Spartans, and at least by one site, Ken Palm projections, uh, they are projected to lose their next four games, Michigan State. So this looked like it was going to be a spot for them to potentially grab one, especially as a home underdog. Not the case as they fall 79 to 74. And betters who have been kind of trying to ride this train and see if uh, Izzo can get things right have been getting kicked in the face. Again, one in five ATS for the Michigan State Spartans after last night in their last six games. Now, not impressed with Michigan State, but I tweeted this out yesterday, and I have a ticket on these guys at 50-1 to 1 to win the NCAA um, the whole thing, the NCAA tournament. 
every single time I watch Texas Tech play basketball, I come away more impressed with the Red Raiders. And yesterday, a perfect spot to play against them, right? The big revenge angle when Chris Beard and Texas went to Lubbock a few weeks back. They ran into a buzzsaw, got absolutely dumb trucked by the Red Raiders and his former program. That was a fantastic performance, 77 to 64 by Texas Tech. Red Raiders come off of a win against Baylor. You're thinking you're going on the road. Big revenge spot against the Longhorns. Longhorns probably going to take care of business. Market opened up really high, though, a lot higher than I expected. And ultimately, it was wrong. 61 to 55. Texas Tech is a plus 145 underdog on the money line. Gets the outright win here over Chris Beard and the Longhorns. This was, you talk about incredible performances and especially defensively. Like I said, when you watch Texas Tech and what they've been able to do defensively against their opponents, it has been incredible. And it was back and forth in the first half, but the second half from Texas Tech was absolutely phenomenal on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, holding them to just 27 points, Texas. And you talk about a lack of support in terms of scoring. The starting five for Texas, uh, Andrew Jones with 20 points. Nobody outside of um, uh, Ramey with more than nine it was an absolutely lockdown performance from the Red Raiders. And this is a team where if you look at them offensively, I think they leave a lot to be desired. Uh, there was not really a great half-court performance when you watch them on a night-to-night basis offensively. But defensively, man, like go back to a couple of – I think it's like a month or two ago. Texas Tech – had a matchup with Gonzaga, and they lost that game, and it was 69-55. to It was on a neutral setting. But if you look at, like, for example, uh, not on the floor in that game for them was Terrence Shannon, who missed it because of an injury. Like, this team's going to be better if they have to run into a team like Gonzaga. Had a really great defensive performance against them. You could still get them in the range like 40 or 50-1 to one, uh, to win the NCAA tournament. I think the 50-1s are gone. I think it's more like 40-1 to one now for Texas Tech. But a team that plays this level of defense and continues to get slept on, by the way. How about this? Last 15 games for Texas Tech, 13-2 against the spread. Texas Tech has been nuts, and the market really has slept on them on a night-to-night basis. You know, you even go back a couple of weeks ago when they were in Kansas against the Jayhawks. They were catching seven and a half in that game. They took it to double overtime and ended up losing by three. So the biggest blemish for this team over the last two months has been a loss at Oklahoma that was on the road, uh, and it was a little bit of a tougher spot, right? Second consecutive road game coming off of a tight one against West Virginia. But this team continues to deliver, and the market continues to sleep. And now you look at the rest of their schedule in conference play, set up for a really strong finish. A revenge spot back in Lubbock against Oklahoma, TCU, Kansas State, and then Oklahoma State to wrap it up. So they've gotten rid of all the big boys on their schedule and can go into the Big 12 tournament uh, on a really big high here. And that's the other thing, too. Uh, We talked about the Big 12 tournament. They were in the range of about 450 over at Circa when they put up their Big 12 tournament odds uh, to win that thing. And I would expect that those odds are going to get shorter by the time we get to the actual Big 12 conference tournament. But you can't help but be impressed every time you watch Texas Tech. They've been absolutely nuts. And um, I think they're going to start to get some market respect as they continue to deliver over win after win. Uh, next up, SEC contest. Now, the, the SEC schedule yesterday was really good. Kentucky has a pretty big comeback against Alabama, but let's focus on the upset here, which is Florida, 63, Auburn, 62. Gators, as a four-and-a-half-point uh, home underdog, get the win. Game goes under the total because the Gators muck it up uh, from a defensive standpoint, limit Auburn what they can do offensively. The story here, though, is you know one of the things I've come around on on college hoops handicapping um, Home court means a lot, right? Home court, in the NBA, home court's worth about two points. Uh, other spots in college basketball, like Lubbock, for example, we were just talking about Texas Tech. Ken Palm rates them as the strongest home court in college basketball, over three and a half points in terms of value for playing home games if you're Texas Tech. Well, I bring that up because Auburn has consistently, and a lot of these teams have, struggled on the road in true road spots. And, of course, it happens again here yesterday with the outright loss for the Tigers on the road against Florida. How about this? Now on the season, Auburn, 7-2 to two straight up. 
up, great. But three and six ATS in true road games, and they fall flat on their face here against Florida in a low-scoring affair. And Auburn's going to be perfectly fine. Auburn as a whole is going to be pretty good. But I think you do wonder, when you're talking about consistently struggling on the road, they got no bench production, by the way. A total of nine points from their bench. Uh, Green was the highest scorer off the bench with five points. But when you're talking about playing on neutral sites, of course, playing in big, big contests away from home, how much do the true road struggles actually carry over in a lot of these neutral site contests, which they're going to be playing in now going forward once conference schedule ends and once you get to the conference tournament, once you get to the NCAA tournament, because this team is going to be safely in the brackets. That's something I think to monitor here for an Auburn team that has consistently been poor away from home. And as for Florida, nothing, no big takeaway, but I will say this, it's a massive resume booster for Florida, who's kind of in that range on the bubble, trying to solidify that resume to get into the postseason as an at-large bid. Uh, Florida with a massive win. I think it's one that they needed. Now, 63-62, the final score there, but the Gators get that massive win and hopefully now add to the at-large bid. Iowa, 75, Ohio State, 62. This is uh, one of the last few I wanted to touch on from yesterday, mainly because I was just surprised. If you looked at it from a statistical standpoint, Iowa looked like they had a lot, or excuse me, Ohio State looked like they had a lot going for them, especially against Iowa's defense. Uh, Iowa, from a defensive standpoint in conference play, has not really been great. If you looked at their stretch of play coming into this contest, defense fleeting to say the, uh, to say the best about Iowa, if you look at some of their performances. Uh, but here they go against Ohio State, and their, D, their offense really takes care of business. Offensive rating last night, a 122, a, an electric performance from the Hawkeyes. And Ohio State, as a five-point favorite at home, was really kind of shocking to see how poorly they played. It's not so much that they lost, right? Because Iowa, from an offensive standpoint, can be very good, can get up and down the floor, can score in bunches if they want in comparison with others. I mean, if you look at some of these offensive ratings they put up, how about an offensive rating of 152.6 against Maryland? They dropped to 123 on Nebraska. These are really good offensive ratings, if you didn't know that, by the way. But I think a number of 153 in basketball of any sort is pretty good for you. Um, you expected, though, that Ohio State would be able to do something here on the offensive end of the floor, and they couldn't, just barely over a point per possession, 1.088. Uh, it was a really tough go for Ohio State's offense. So I thought it was somewhat, even for a five-point spread, I didn't think that Ohio State would be uh, that anemic on the offensive end of the floor, and sure enough, that is the case. Last note here, and this is a smaller conference, but it's worth noting for two reasons. One, because I was at the game last night, and two, there might be some value there. So UNLV last night takes care of business in a very, very big way against Colorado State, right? Rebels uh, as four-and-a-half-point home underdogs win outright, and it was an absolute beatdown from the very get-go. Uh, Colorado State not really in it. The Rams, a very respected team in terms of the market, come into this game. The reason I bring this up, though, is because UNLV has now covered six out of seven games. On Tuesday, the running Rebels over at Circa were 28-1 to to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. But they get this win at home over Colorado State. They are now 2-0, by the way, against Colorado State this year. The Runner Rebels, depending on what is going to be the number for that, uh, for that conference tournament, if it's rehung, when it's rehung at Circa or wherever we're going to see this around town and other jurisdictions, if you're getting in the range of 15-20-1 to 20 to 1 on UNLV to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament, that's worth something looking at here because the Rebels have gotten better as the season has gone along, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And watching them up close yesterday and the ability that they have to just switch the defensive, the defensive strength that they have down low, the rebounding that they have, they're a very solid rebounding team as well. Uh, this is going to be a team, and by the way, helps to, to be 
20-ish to one on your own home court to win a Mountain West Conference tournament. Uh, but this defense and the rebounding has been incredible. And you look at some of these performances lately. Colorado State, offensive rating of 83.6 against UNLV. Held Fresno State to under a point per possession in that win, 92.5. Uh, absolutely beat down Air Force. Defensive rating there is 76. 88.5 against Nevada. This defense has been getting better as the season has gone along. And they're going to be a true threat to win the Mountain West Conference tournament. So, again, they were about, they opened 35 to one, got down to 28 to one. I don't know if you expect like 15, 21 again when it gets rehung, but if you want a little bit of a meaty stab in a conference tournament, look out for the runner rebels who scored a big win last night on their home floor. All right, we'll come back. I uh, want to get to some of the games from today in college basketball, including uh, we got a big favorite in the big 10 and that would be Purdue about a 12 and a half point favorite against Rutgers, but it's a terrible situation and Rutgers going to be shorthanded. One of their best players, maybe not available today. So we get to that and much more here on point spread Sunday, by the way, minus 500 that I get that name wrong at some point during this show. It's a little too early. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network. Hey, we're heading down the home stretch of college hoops. So check out the podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops. Greg Hoops Peterson is going to look at every major and some of the minor college basketball games on the upcoming schedule. Find betting opportunities. Greg has an opinion on every single college hoops game of the season. And on this pod, he provides his unique insights and looks for those games that have solid betting opportunities. Download Coast to Coast Hoops now at vcin.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, catch up on every vcin show as well. Yeah, it's a good Sunday, actually, in terms of college basketball. By the way, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, filling in here on this point spread Sunday. Um, let's start with uh, the game that I kind of teased when we were coming out, uh, a Big Ten contest between Rutgers and Purdue. And kind of going back to the conversation about, um, <laughs> about home teams and how well home teams have been performing, uh, Rutgers continues 
to deliver as a as a uh, home underdog. Now, 6-0 on the season when catching points at home. Problem for today, uh, it's twofold. One, it's not at home. Uh, Rutgers, after a very good stretch run here in which they took home games from Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan State, uh, now have to hit the road to take on Purdue. Now, they did go on the road against Wisconsin. They got a big win, 73-65, to about, uh, what do we call it, a week ago or so. I think it was eight days ago that they got that win. And this is now this winning streak in February against the number five straight. So we're talking about a 5-0 and ATS run here for Rutgers overall, a 4-0 and straight-up run as they head into this contest, and they've won five out of six games. So the problem, though, is not only is this on the road for Rutgers, which has not been a friendly place, by the way. Rutgers 3-7 and seven ATS and straight up on the road this season. Well, they're going to probably have to do it without uh, one of their best players. Ron Harper Jr. is not going to be available, it sounds like, uh, for this game. Uh, as Rutgers um, – uh, sorry, I'm looking at something here. I want to make sure I get this injury right. Hand injury. Uh, it's a hand injury that's going to keep Ron Harper Jr. out of this game. So, Purdue's a 12.5-point favorite. And I think, to me, there's a two-fold play here when, it, when you look at the Boilermakers. It's Rutgers playing on the road. And it's the situation overall. Right, Because I mentioned when you're looking at the situation for Rutgers, not only are you on the road, but the big win over Illinois. And you talk about a big win. like That was a comfortable victory over Illinois the other day, 70-59. to 59, And the final score does really indicate how far ahead Rutgers was in that contest. A good win on the road against Ohio State. All of these high emotional spots, three out of four coming at home. Now you hit the road to take on Purdue, who, uh, by the way, does have motivation uh, to keep on playing and win these games. And uh, win these, not even win these games comfortably, but win it because Illinois – biting at their heels in terms of the regular season title in the Big Ten. So Purdue, I think, is in a pretty good spot here. Oh, and by the way, it might just help, too, that Purdue has a little bit of revenge on its mind. Go back to December 9th when these two teams met uh, early in the season. That was a 70-68 to victory for Rutgers at, you'll guess it, home. So Purdue's in a pretty good spot here, it seems. 12.5 the opening number. You see some stragglers in terms of the numbers getting put up on the board right now. But 12.5 seems to be the predominant number. There's one low-hanging 12. That would be over at Circa. So we'll see where this number goes. But with the news of Harper Jr., the fact that this game's on the road, a little bit of revenge for Purdue as well. It does seem like it would be the spot to go ahead and back the Boilermakers. Now, we move on to some of the other games. We'll stay in the Big Ten because there are some pretty big contests. Uh, for example, Michigan, we talk about Wisconsin, on the road, taking on the Badgers. Pretty good matchup, right, in terms of a point spread. Looks like we're going to get a tight one. Badgers, two and a half on the open with a total of 139 here. And Michigan, don't look now, but like quietly finding a little bit of continuity. Uh, they've won three out of four games. Uh, they're coming off of a win Thursday against Iowa, in which their offense looked uh, pretty good, right? 84-79 to 79 in that game, the big win uh, on Thursday night against the Hawkeyes, one of their better offensive ratings. But when I talk about this team starting to look a little bit better, you've won three out of four. One of those victories, by the way, was at home over Purdue, in which you put down 132.3 offensive rating. So this offense is starting to turn things around. Uh, but you see... The Badgers getting a little bit of support here. Three and a half up on the screen right now. Two and a half was the open. So it's not surprising uh, that you're getting a little support. But I got to tell you, look, Wisconsin has not really been a great cover team for those who have been following them on a night-to-night um, uh, -night basis. Badgers right now, they have covered two out of the last three, but they only have two covers going back to uh, that win over Northwestern back on January 18th, right? That was the uh, culmination of a five-game um, ATS run. But then since... They are only two and five ATS. Uh, the Badgers are actually, excuse me, two and six ATS in their last eight games, showing a little bit of an overvalued nature here. And from a matchup standpoint between these two, 
this is where it gets pretty interesting because if you look at it overall, it's a pretty tightly contested game. I think to me the difference is going to be can Michigan's defense, which in conference play has not been very good, uh, actually start to lock things up a little bit here against the Wisconsin offense that has really lost its flow since they started taking on Big Ten opponents. Wisconsin, a Big Ten play, ninth in overall offensive efficiency, just averaging 102.7 points per 100 possessions. Their three-point shooting has been atrocious, Wisconsin. And the one thing that Michigan has done defensively pretty well in conference play, running teams off of the line and limiting three-point shooting. Third in defensive three-point shooting rate and also fifth in terms of opponent three-point shooting, 32.1%. Badgers come in last in conference uh, play in terms of three-point shooting, 30.5%. It all ties into that pretty poor. And by the way, they're not really that great of a rebounding team overall, especially second-chance points and offensive rebounding rate, uh, just 23.2%. Michigan, one of the better defensive teams in terms of uh, – uh, keeping teams off of the glass. So we'll see if the, maybe this turnaround is legitimate. But if we're talking like three and a half, if it gets back up to four, I think that Michigan's in a pretty good spot here. Uh, let's see. We have odds to win the Big Ten up. Are these to win the tournament or is this like the regular season title? I would assume this is regular season title, given the odds. Yeah. So uh, uh, Illinois plus 110, Purdue plus 110. Like I mentioned with that Purdue game too, by the way. Uh, they do have a lot to fight for because Illinois is nipping at their heels. But with this matchup, I actually kind of lean here a little bit toward Michigan. I wasn't overly imp- like Wisconsin. I guess you get uh, some... You get some kudos for coming back and beating Indiana the other night, 74 to 69. Uh, Indiana, by the way, in that game had, I think, an 80.3 win probability, um, according to Ken Palm. But regardless, I would lean a little bit uh, toward Michigan. I'm going to play Purdue, but I think Michigan would be a little bit live here. It's, and this comes from, by, by the way, this comes from somebody who had high hopes for Michigan coming into the season, thinking that they were going to be much better. And you're starting to see some of the flashes of what you expected from the Wolverines over the last few games. Uh, but I just think this is kind of a slide here for Wisconsin where you talk about the market overreacting and overvaluing. And I think I'll uh, continue to buy low a little bit on Michigan. Uh, with that, let's go to the Big East because this is a pretty big matchup as well. Marquette and Creighton. Uh, Marquette uh, had kind of been falling a little bit here after that really good stretch of play. Remember, they get off to that 0-3 start in conference play. But then they rip off seven consecutive wins. Uh, they beat Villanova twice. So they start out 8-4 and four in conference play. But ultimately, uh, they had that losses three out of four games, right? They lose to Providence. They lose to Connecticut. They lose to Butler. Bounce back against Georgetown, but don't cover. So this is a pretty interesting matchup for Marquette because from a defensive standpoint, uh, Marquette had come out and they looked really good. But if you look at some of these most recent results, Golden Eagles, from a defensive standpoint, haven't been playing very well. Butler uh, gouged them for 1.2 points per possession. Uh, their defense rating against Connecticut. They gave up 80 points and defense rating 118.2. And so now here, you open up as a small underdog at home. Creighton a one-and-a-half point favorite with a total of 140. A Creighton who's dealing with some of their own injury issues. Uh, but you do, I think this is really intriguing in terms of how does Marquette respond to this little bit of a, we'll call it a slump, because slumps aren't overwhelmingly negative. Uh, but how do they respond going through this stretch and going into a tough home environment in Creighton? And if you look, too, part of the problem, I think, for Marquette, outside of what we've been talking about defensively, uh, has been the rebounding has been a problem for Marquette. If you look at it on both ends of the floor, it's had a really big problem keeping teams off the offensive glass. Uh, how about this? Opponents grabbing 34.2% of their misses against Marquette in conference play. That's not good. Uh, they're only grabbing 22% of their own misses, so they're not getting second chance points in any way whatsoever. Uh, and they're not getting free throws. So they are not getting to the line. They're 11th in Big East play in terms of free throw rate. And while they're a good three point, or excuse me, a free throw shooting team, they're just not getting to the line enough. And so overall, I just think we. We have seen like the peak of Marquette, and we're starting to see this dip now a little bit. It does make some sense that Creighton at home, and Creighton too, who has a somewhat solid home court as well, um, 
you would think that uh, they deserve to be favored here. I'm just more interested in the recent form of Marquette and how they're going to handle this moving forward because it does seem that they are a little bit of a downturn here. And in the big picture, too, like when you talk about Big East Conference, uh, Conference Tournament and how they can compete there, I mean, if they run into Villanova again after taking two uh, in the regular season series against Villanova, how that's going to work out for them. But Marquette, one-and-a-half-point favorite in this matchup here. Let's get to one more matchup later today. Uh, in uh, college basketball, and we'll get to the NBA big picture stuff as we head into the rest of the season. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about USC taking on Washington State uh, later tonight because it's actually a pretty good matchup, I think, and USC has had uh, some moments lately in which you've kind of scratched your head a little bit and some slow play, but ultimately winning five out of six games coming into this. I think a lot of people would look at it and go, well, five and a half. That seems somewhat short for uh, USC, Uh, but the matchup overall is actually a really intriguing one. I think mostly, though, it comes from Washington State defensively and how they match up with USC because Washington State in conference play, they actually lead the Pac-12 in defensive efficiency. 91.8 is what they give up per 100 possessions against conference opponents. They are a really good perimeter team, and they are a solid team in terms of forcing turnovers. Forced turnovers on 22.8% of opponent possessions. The problem for Washington State in a lot of these games is their offense has been completely anemic. You're talking about 97.2 points per 100 possessions on the offensive end of the floor. They're only shooting 31.7% from three against Pac-12 opponents, 43.3% inside of the arc as well. And that's where USC defensively uh, really butters its spread. And that's like an old people saying, right? People say that. Uh, But projected, this is why it's interesting, though. Um, Projection-wise, it's a little off market because, you know, usually see the market uh, mirror some of these Ken Palms and other sites, uh, four-point projected victory here for USC, but up to five and a half on the market right now. So I would expect usually see the market kind of reflect what you see on some of these analytical sites projections, probably head more toward the Washington State side. All right, we have plenty left to get to here on Point Spread Sunday. I remembered it this time. We got it. Uh, we could take a look at the second half of the NBA because uh, they are only six weeks left. There are division races. Yes, they still have divisions uh, that are up for grabs and maybe some futures plays that might be worth looking at there as we head into the home stretch of the association. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. VSIN is a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You give VSIN all access to everything we do for now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now, get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. The only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit VSIN.com slash madness to sign up today. All right. Must address something really quickly. Uh, was. Somewhat disappointed yesterday. College basketball was awesome yesterday. Really good day worth of college hoops. Uh, a lot of good contests. A lot of stuff worth watching. But as a guy who enjoys the association, can I just say that the dunk contest kind of sucks? I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, and if you're – I was sitting at the bar with somebody yesterday, by the way, that was sweating out a bet on the dunk contest. You got to be something special 
to be taking 290 with Obi Toppin to win a dunk contest and sitting there screaming that Juan Toscano Anderson is getting too many attempts at his final dunk and that this should be called off. Uh, it's, it's a little ridiculous, but the, the dunk contest kind of sucked. Juan Toscano Anderson uh, really flamed out in the final round, topping about plus 290 if you're into that sort of thing. Got the victory. Now, I will say from yesterday, uh, you did get some pretty good plus money price caches. Um, how about Carl Anthony Towns, 12 to 1 to win the three point shooting contest, winning that thing yesterday? And then was it Team Cavs who ultimately won the skills competition? Which that's my other thing. Like, as a guy who actually likes All Star Weekend to like, when I'm talking about like just sitting back and doing nothing and like you know, have a couple of drinks, whatever, the old school skills competition was much better. Old school. Um, but regardless, Team Cavs with uh, Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen, and Evan Mobley get the win there. They were about plus 290, depending on where you shot, plus 250 uh, to win that thing. But we're not going to talk about that. And like today, All-Star game, uh, you know, kudos to you if you want to bet the All-Star game. I've got absolutely nothing on that. Uh, I know that a lot of people probably bet this thing over, and that's the way it heads every single year. Opens 319.5, up to 321, 322. Uh, but no interest in Team LeBron versus Team Durant. I will say I think Team Durant had the better team. Um, but regardless, you know, Steve Mackinnon actually had a really good write-up on this in Point Spread Weekly and uh, had a really big edge there. So you check that out, vcin.com. Uh, Steve does the Lord's work with that. He essentially takes every player – projects minutes uh, by past games, like his first starters, bench guys, then takes their PER, their player efficiency rating uh, with their minutes, uh, creates a number out of that, and then gets a team rating and then sets a line off of it. And uh, yeah, it's quite the process for an all-star game. And uh, when I asked him, because he had a big edge in this, if he was going to bet it, he left. So it gives you an idea uh, <laughs> of what you're looking at with an all-star game here. But let's talk about it as we get into what some call the second half of the season. In reality, 70 games or 70% of the games are already in the books. So it's, it's more like the home stretch now uh, for the NBA uh, season. And there's a lot on the line. To reset, for those who don't know, for the big picture, right, NBA Finals and the odds to win that. The Phoenix Suns are your favorites, along with the Brooklyn Nets at some shops. Uh, these numbers I'm reciting courtesy of DraftKings. Uh, plus 425 for both the Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. Warriors right behind them at plus 450. 76ers, who are going to get James Harden back at some point uh, very soon. 7-1. Bucks at 7-1. And then the Heat are your next team in double digits at 12-1 to to win the entire thing. And I will say this right off the bat. For those who have been tied into the National Football League, who haven't really been handicapping the, uh, the NBA in any way whatsoever, uh, there is no doubt in my mind at this point, just given the way the teams have played, for me, highest-rated team are the Phoenix Suns. I've got them at 7-1 to win the NBA Finals. Uh, the team is legitimate. They are so much better than they were a season ago, especially when you consider one of their biggest weaknesses was center depth, and they had that in droves this year, and then now have flipped some of that center depth uh, to get some pieces that really work for them in terms of the, like on the fringes, right, getting Torrey Craig and Aaron Holiday at the trade deadline, Holiday coming over for cash because it's a really big weakness. Regardless, the Suns deserve to be favored in the Western Conference. They deserve to be favored to win an NBA title. Uh, they are the team that they were a season ago and maybe even somewhat better. And the thing that works for them, too, is if you look at the rest of the Western Conference standings and those teams that are behind them, there are real flaws in the Western Conference outside of the Phoenix Suns when you look at the makeups of some of these teams, right? So, for example, let's take a look at the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors, who I think a lot of people like uh, as a NBA Finals contender, as a Western Conference contender, the problem for a team like the Golden State Warriors is that their offense uh, is 
really inconsistent. 29th in offensive turnover rate. They turned it over at 15.5% of their possessions. They're 13th in offensive efficiency overall, non-garbage time minutes, uh, but have had stretches where they're actually as low as 22nd in the NBA. Heavily reliant on Steph Curry to get things done, even with Klay Thompson out there. Their bench units are fine. They're good, uh, but there's just a lot of inconsistency with this Warriors team from an offensive standpoint to really get bought into this. I think the question is always, well, where's the value, right? I want to bet a little to win a lot. Where am I looking at something here on this board that would give me the bang for the buck? I will say this. There's two things that stick out, okay? One, so I bet the Celtics at 66-1 to to win the NBA Finals. They're down to 30-1. to They should be a little bit higher. Like the Lakers, for example, if the Lakers are still in the range of 30-1, to you got to, I think, consider what you're setting your prices at. The Lakers are a team that should be more in the range of like 60, 70 to 1. To give you an example how little value you're getting on the Lakers, by the way, look at the Clippers on that screen right there. They're 100 to 1. The Clippers are power rated similarly, if not slightly better than the Los Angeles Lakers. And yet they're 100 to 1 to win the title as opposed to the Lakers at 30 to 1. So it gives you an idea of where the numbers are for the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Celtics, the reason why I think you would buy in on a team like Boston, if you could still get them in the range of like 15 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference, they are right now the second-best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, they have been on this stretch of games. They go into the All-Star break um, on fire in terms of this winning streak that they have. And they lose to the Pistons before the break, and that's fine because you, you go out there and it's, it's the freaking Pistons. Like We just want to get out of here. We've won 11 out of 12 games. And they lose 112 to 111, and they lose Marcus Smart to injury. And Smart's a pretty big deal. You want to have him out there on the floor. But the Celtics are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. They are absolutely incredible with what they've been doing all year long. Their offense is starting to turn things around. They go and acquire Derek White at the trade deadline to really help out some of their issues. You see right there at DraftKings, they're 11-1 to to win the conference. Like I said, I still want, like, if you're still betting it now, you want in the range of, like, 15-1 to or so, I think, to get a little bit more out of a ticket on the Boston Celtics. But you even think about this, and this is what makes the Eastern Conference so fascinating. Because if you look at the makeup of where the Eastern Conference is at from a standings standpoint, um, the Miami Heat are in control of the number one seed right now in the Eastern Conference, just barely over the Chicago Bulls. But let's say the Boston Celtics get the Cleveland Cavaliers in a first-round matchup, get the Chicago Bulls in a first-round matchup. That is a perfectly winnable series for the Boston Celtics, who can then move on to an a, uh, Eastern Conference semis against a team that they've, pro- they've had a really good track record against, and that could be a Philadelphia 76ers, right? The Boston the Celtics have played the 76ers extremely well in recent years, and especially this year. We just saw them beat the crap out of the 76ers, who, again, didn't have Joel Embiid. But th- this is all to say teams like Milwaukee, who I still think in terms of the Eastern Conference standings is my highest power-rated team, although the loss of Pat Connaughton is pretty big for them. But like Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn – these are all your teams that are five, six, seven, eight that you can make a strong case for upward mobility because the top of the Eastern Conference, Chicago, Cleveland, that Philly, we'll see what they are. These are teams that have some flaws, and we'll see if James Harden comes around and is the James Harden of last year. But what I'm saying here is overall, when you look at the Western Conference, to me, it's the Suns. If you look at the Eastern Conference, shake up the hat and pull out one and tell me that the Brooklyn Nets made it out of the East. And I think that's definitely something I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Or the Toronto Raptors made it to an Eastern Conference Finals, given how well they've played. Uh, That's going to be something to monitor, too. By the way, really quick note as we head into the second half, Toronto, 
now allowing fans in the stands in full capacity as we come back from the All-Star break hiatus. Uh, they had limited and cut fans in terms of some of the attendance in Toronto games. There was 12 games in which they played without fans, 9-3 and three to the over in those 12 games, kind of like a, bu a bubble makeup in terms of the crowd. You figured that the scoring was going to go up, and it did. So now as you move into the second half, it sounds like uh, – Fans are going to be back in the stands and maybe look for those teams uh, to go, or excuse me, those games to start to go into the total. Now, the other market that a lot of people care about that we'll cover really quickly here uh, is the MVP market, of course. Joel Embiid, the favorite, a plus 140 to win this thing. Nikola Jokic, plus 290. I would say this. Go to ESPN. Tim Bontemps did a great piece, and he does this every single year, multiple times throughout the year, where they do an MVP straw poll, where they actually take votes for the most valuable player. It gives you a very good idea of what's going to happen as you move forward in the last six weeks of the season on who's going to win this award. And it is between Embiid and Jokic, who have led the pack by a great way, both over 40 first-place votes in the straw poll. Giannis Antetokounmpo came up next with like eight or nine first-place votes. But there's a gap between Embiid, Jokic, and the rest of the pack. And while I've got, like, I've got a ticket on DeMar DeRozan at 66-1 to to win MVP, and I would hope that he uh, can make a push here, and a lot of his really good games came after, I think, uh, the uh, – Poll votes were acquired, so we'll see if he moves up in the standings and if the Chicago Bulls can maintain their seeding and get the first overall seed. Uh, but at this point right now, there seems to be a pretty massive gap between those two big guys, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, and the rest of the pack. And I got to say, too, because I'm kind of, you know, I'm a numbers nerd, I'm a snap nerd. Uh, this dude right here, Nikola Jokic, if we're just talking about like pure value to his team, when he is on the floor, they are the Phoenix Suns. When he is off the floor, they are the Detroit Pistons. It is incredible, uh, statistically, how different they are when he is not out there. It's nuts. But you see the odds there, BetMGM. Joel will be the favorite, plus 125. Deserves to be so uh, if uh, the straw poll is any indicator. Jokic at 3-1 three, uh, three to one right behind him. Giannis at plus 375. And then now you're getting to the territory where Steph Curry should be. Uh, Curry, for a while, was at single digits. Uh, not the case now. More in the range of like 11, 12 to 1. And uh, that's where it should be because he has not really had uh, that great of a year up to this point. All right. With that, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to here on Point Spread Sunday. We have more college basketball games to get to. Uh, we also have, of course, uh, a final round over at Genesis to talk about as well. So we can recap that, look ahead to the final round of action there, too. It is Point Spread Sunday. Come on back because you got 15 minutes left to this hour. You got another hour with me where Tom Byrne, Sirius XM, joins us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Hit the court for your cut of the cash with the FX Snowfall Kingpin Challenge. Pray uh, free in two fantasy hoops contests and battle for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes while the fight for LA rages on during season five of FX Snowfall. Head to DraftKings.com Snowfall now to get in on the action. Snowfall returns February 23rd on FX. Stream Hulu. I'll stream on Hulu. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply to DraftKings.com for details. Got a lot going on on Sunday. You know, a lot of people, it's a, it's a misnomer. A lot of people are like, hey, man, there's nothing going on. What are we going to do? What are we going to talk? No, 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 no. There's a lot of college hoops going on. Uh, of course, we're in the uh, nitty and the gritty of conference play. Uh, we also have, of course, the Genesis Invitational, which will wrap up uh, earlier later today. So let's talk about that really quickly. We won't spend a lot of time on this, uh, but worth updating because we do have a massive favorite at the top of the board who's got a pretty good lead over the pack. Your leader on the board Tee off at 10.25 a.m. Pacific time. That'll be Joaquin Neiman. He's 19 under, a three-stroke lead over Cameron Young, who's in second. A gap after that, Victor Hovland, 13 under, alone in third. And then Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Mark Leishman, Maverick McNeely, Max Homa, Scotty Scheffler all wrap up within the top six. All time, you know, those four guys, by the way, I mentioned Leishman, McNeely, and Homa all tied for six. But Neiman has done a fantastic job up to this point. Now, Third round didn't really end, I think, the way a lot of Neiman betters liked. Uh, the back nine wasn't the most friendly. He did uh, get an eagle on a par four on 10, but then bogey 12, bogey 15, uh, par the rest of those holes in between, and kind of just finished with an eh uh, down the stretch there in the Genesis. And so you wonder how he performs uh, coming in, but you just got to kind of keep the rest of the field at bay. And the way he's played this course, by the way, uh, he has done a great job. Putts per green in regulation, 1.5. It leads the tournament at this point right now. I would think if anybody, like, you know, usually when I look, at, by the way, want to note that uh, Neiman is the 260 favorite, minus 260, to win this thing over the Westgate Superbook. Young at 9-2, to two, Hovland 9-1, to one, Thomas 20-1, to one, Morikama 35-1, to one, Scheffler 100-1. to one. So you can see the gap that is here and what Neiman has going for him coming in to this final round. But if you look at the way that's uh, – if, like, to me, if you're taking a stab, and I want a little bit more than 9-1 to one given the lead that, that uh, Neiman has at this point – but I like the way that Victor Hovland has been playing this course. You know, putts per green in regulation. Uh, he is um, kind of up there, you know, but he is finding greens in regulation at a very high clip. 75.9% in terms of greens in regulation. That leads the pack at this point right now if you're Victor Hovland. The accuracy hasn't been great off of the tee. But when he gets to the, uh, when he gets to the green, he's been taking care of business for the most part. Hasn't been putting himself in some tough situations. Yeah, I like the way that he has played this course overall, Victor Hovland. And I think if you're, if you're looking at anywhere outside of Joaquin Neiman uh, to kind of, again, take a stab at catching up with him, 
it would be Hovland. I've liked his game coming into this. I thought he was well-suited for this course and ultimately playing well, but it is hard to catch up with a guy who is 19 under at this point. So this is all, I like tournaments like this where guys have leads because I don't think a lot of people would realize that there's actually quite a bit of pressure when you have a lead like that going into the final round. Uh, the, the, that first hole, first few holes, if you make a mistake, if you lose a stroke, if you drop one, and all of a sudden you feel some guys sniffing behind you. So it's going to be a good final round. While it's not as intriguing uh, as some where you got like five, six, seven guys in contention, uh, these first few holes, given the way that Neiman actually ended yesterday and coming into today, uh, these first nine are going to be pretty important for Neiman as we get started. So that's going to be that's a West Coast thing. A 10:25 is when the leader tips, uh, tees off Joaquin Neiman, and we'll get the we'll get down to the rest of that as we move forward. Uh, with that, let's go back. I want to go back to college hoops because there are a couple of other big games on the board that are worth discussing here in college basketball uh, as we move around. Let's go to the Big East and talk a little bit about Providence, who we saw the other day. I was really impressed with Providence' performance against Villanova. You know, it looked like they were. Um, it looked like it was going to get away from them for the most part, and they don't cover in the matchup against Villanova. But when I say get away from them, like I thought they might end up losing that thing by double digits or so, and ultimately not the case. So now they hit the road. Four-point favorite against Butler. Number has moved. And this is the you know, shop for your numbers if you're – and some of you who bet college basketball every day know this, of course. Uh, but there's a wide variety of numbers that are available for you right now. So, for example, if you like Providence, you can lay three over at the Westgate Superbook. If you like Butler, you can grab four here at the South Point. So, there's a wide range of numbers that you can grab and get in on at this point right now. But from a matchup standpoint between these two, like I said, really impressed, I thought, with Providence and, and what they did in their matchup against Villanova and what they've been able to do defensively all year long. But what really impressed me is what they did offensively against Villanova in that game, and it speaks to what we've seen all year long uh, for Providence. They're fourth in terms of Big East play and offensive rating at 105.9. They've been able to get to the free throw line at a really high rate, and they're a good free throw shooting team at that. So Butler's deal here is going to be able to, it's going to, can we defend without fouling in this matchup? Why that's important, one, because of what I just said about Providence. Also, two, uh, because Butler cannot defend without fouling, and it's been one of their biggest weaknesses. Their uh, defensive free throw rate right now in the season, 32.2%. is pretty poor uh, for a defense. And the other thing, their free throw defense has been atrocious. Uh, no, the teams are shooting free throws pretty well against Butler. That seems to be more than a coincidence than anything. But their interior defense has been a pretty big problem right now. 51.8% allowed within, within the two-point or three-point line. Butler, when you look at what has been disappointing about this team uh, outside of their offense being atrocious, which we'll get to in a moment, but it's been this defense and how poor it has been, but the offense as well, a well under a point per possession against Big East opponents at this point, 96.2, uh, shooting just 30.1% from beyond the arc. Uh, they are not performing in any way at an optimal level on anyone, and like they're not even rebounding the ball well. So you understand why Providence, the way they are and the way they are playing and the, how good they are defensively, why they're laying four here on the road. You just wonder, I know a lot of people will play like the letdown situation here. When, playing that game against Villanova, then having to hit the road to take on Butler. It's a tough turnaround then to ask them to lay points in this kind of a situation. So I do wonder what the market ultimately does here. Like I said, you're sitting at four with Providence in some spots. You're sitting at three. The projection in some spots, uh, if you look at like the analytic sites, uh, was a four-point victory uh, by Providence. But I, the situation to me would say Butler and to give the Bulldogs, I guess, some credit, I mean, they did get wins over Marquette, DePaul, right? They did lose to St. John's last time we saw them. That was just on February, excuse me, on Friday. Uh, so it's a really quick turnaround for Butler when you're talking about playing on Friday, getting one day off, and then coming back and playing on Sunday. And that was a bad loss. St. John's ran up and down the court on him, dropped 91 points, and that defense was pretty bad. So, well, the situation to me says Butler – 
my eyes and my brain and looking at how poor Butler has been all season long, uh, say that I wouldn't want any part of the Bulldogs there. Uh, next up, too, uh, let's talk about Houston. Houston is just uh, the model of consistency, the, the way that Houston has been playing, man. They just consistently go out there, uh, win games, perform a high level, and then come out and take care of business. Now, they go through that two-game stretch where they lose to SMU, and their defense looked pretty bad against SMU, uh, giving up 85 points. And then they come back. They come back home and what you would think is, uh, I guess, a get-right spot against uh, Memphis, and Memphis takes care of them. And their offense really falls in the tank. It was a, it's a situation where you lose two straight games, and on one side, your defense fails you, and then on the other, your offense fails you. Well, you come back, you beat UCF just this last Thursday, you get things right, 70-52. to 52. Now you're hitting the road to take on Wichita State. And a matchup that you would think kind of plays in your favor here. Uh, Wichita State defensively has not been good in conference play. Houston leading the American right now at this point in offensive rating. Wichita State giving up 101.9 points per 100 possessions to opponents. They've just been below average, we'll call them. And their perimeter defense has not been very good. The matchup here, though, to watch. Houston, as we know, like I don't really love them in half-court settings, but it's kind of the same thing almost every time. It's we're just going to put up shots, attack the glass, get up second-chance points. Uh, they lead the league in offensive rebounding rate of 36.1%, and Wichita State is one of the worst rebounding teams in the American. Uh, opponents grabbing 31.1% of their misses against Wichita State. That's the matchup to watch here because Houston is going to be able, I think, against Wichita State to pound the glass, to get second-chance points, uh, and that's going to be a problem, I think, in a matchup like this as we're watching these two teams later today and Houston took care of business the first time around uh, at home 76 to 66 so you're looking at this spread right now uh, we're talking about in the range of seven in favor of Houston at this point uh, with a total of 133 and a half a couple of seven and a half are starting to pop up but we assume given the situation for Houston the fact that they've been playing this well the fact that Wichita State uh, has been as bad as they have been in certain matchups it does seem like this would be a much better matchup for Houston and that this is going to be one where the market will probably be all over the road favorite. When I say all over the road favorite, like push it to like seven and a half or eight, and that does seem to be where the market is heading. Speaking of Memphis, let's talk about them really quickly uh, because they meet up with SMU today. And Memphis, as I said, when you uh, find out what the recent one, like Memphis is that team where you find these peaks and valleys. And right now they're in the middle of a peak in their season. They have won six consecutive games. Of course, we're talking about the win in Houston. They follow that up with a really strong win over Cincinnati. Now you have to hit the road to take on SMU. Now, on the surface, looks like it's going to be a tough spot. And here's the thing. Like, this is one where maybe from a power rating standpoint, the market gets a little too high on you. Memphis, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but in some spots projected uh, to lose this game. Uh, you do wonder from the matchup standpoint on the floor, uh, because – I think Memphis defensively has been pretty good, but you wonder SMU defensively has also been pretty good in their own right. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but just give it up 96.9 points per 100 possessions to opponents. They are the best team in terms of defensive free throw rate. They can defend without fouling like crazy. Actually one of the better perimeter defenses too and second best in American play on the interior, which is somewhere that Memphis wants to score. I, can, I would lean here toward SMU catching points. It seems that Memphis, because of this winning streak, market is pretty high on them. But I think the Mustangs would be pretty live at home catching some points against the Tigers. All right, first hour in the books. We'll come back. We'll hit on all the big games, of course, from today, tomorrow. And we got a lot to get to, man. It's the second hour. Remember, Tom Byrne, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, is going to be with us as we discuss the second half of the association.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.